In the Thick of It, a Profit and Loss podcast with Colin Lambert and Galen Stobbs. Welcome to In the Thick of It, Profit and Loss's weekly podcast with myself, Colin Lambert, in Sydney, and Galen Stobbs, editor of PL in New York. Um, a pretty limited agenda for us this week, I think, but two, three, well, two or three big ticket items, I would say, Galen. Yeah. Um, let's kick off with the. Um, I think it was like Tuesday we started getting the buzz around the fact that uh, cities given notice periods to a bunch of high-frequency what non-bank market makers, sorry, <laughs> their uh, correct term, um, to you know that they're going to withdraw their PB services. It's creating quite a few ripples in the industry. There's a lot of you know, chatter about it. Um, what's your take on it, and what are people telling you? Yeah, a lot of chat. I mean, I had a lot of conversations this week where I, I called someone up. And I was like, oh, you've got, a, you've got five minutes to chat. And they were like, let me yeah. guess, does this begin with City? Um, yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot, of, a lot of those. Yeah. So I think, I think it's interesting. So a lot of the people that I spoke to who were, who were impacted, directly impacted by this, didn't seem to be that unexpected. Um, I know yeah. that they... They said, you know, City didn't actually give them a huge amount of time to, to readjust. But I think most most of the firms I've spoken to saw the writing on the wall a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think there are a, a few big questions um, that, that you and I can maybe just go over um, to start with. Yep. So, so, so number one that I'd put to kind of we can both talk about is um, will this have a significant impact on liquidity? Yeah. Um... I don't. I mean, short term, no. Uh, for the right people, I don't think it ever will. But I think for certain market segments, at some stage, it inevitably has to. Because I think, um, you know, the, the dealers that are, that are being, you know, sort of told they're no longer desired, as you say, um, are going to have to paint a good picture of this anyway. And I think, you know, two or three of them will be fine. Um, if they've got enough scale. But the, the thing is, these guys have not been making the money. No, you know, no foreign exchange trading firm, particularly market making, has been making great money this year, purely and simply because the market is lacking volatility and, and frankly, lacking um, turnover. So in a low-volume, low-vol environment where, margin, you know, where their profit margins are being squeezed, um, they could probably do without an increase in PB fees. And I think that's, you know, I mean, there's always someone going to step up and say, we can do this. You know, we, we can take over this thing. But City spent a lot of money building their risk um, systems. And, you know, as all things do, every now and again, they went a little bit pear-shaped. But um, I, I, I wonder what – I know, you know, when City put out this paper that's proven to be fairly controversial in March that you reported on around PB, the other PBs were, you know, a bit mm, – we're not sure we agree with that. But I kind of think that you know they know what they're doing. They're probably signaling in the future direction, and the same decisions they came to, the other PBs will come to as well at some stage, and that means um, higher fees and or, sorry, can't help you. So that's interesting because I've kind of heard the opposite from a lot of people, which is people saying, mm. um, a lot of people ask me to, yeah, you know, in the short term, you know, uh, it might have a bit of an impact on liquidity, you know, while people kind of readjust and, and figure out, you know, how they're going to kind of reroute things. They've got to do some repapering with various um, partners in the market. But the yep. long term, the, in the medium to long term, they actually don't see this having a, a particularly significant impact once everybody readjusts. Mm. 
Um, I, if, if they were trading in better conditions, I would tend to agree. And don't get me wrong, the better conditions may come back. But it strikes me the market character now <clears throat> is more one of short-term, you know, pretty violent volatility, inter- you know, interspersed in long, long periods of calm. And that's not a great environment for these trading firms. So, um, yeah, I, 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 all I can see here is, is the higher fees. And, and I've, I've said publicly before, I'm on the record of saying, I don't think the threat to the non-bank firms is actually higher PB fees as such. I think it's more to regulators if they come in and say, well, actually, look, you're shadow banking here or challenger banking. Um, but, you know, what was it City said 31 top PB would have to, fees would have to be 31 times higher? Yeah. Well, take it by, take one-tenth of that, three times higher. You're telling me that's not going to impact the bottom line of these firms? So, I, 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 I you know, I, I get the optimistic outlook on it, and and I think if you are at the top of that non-bank tree, then you're probably going to be okay. But I also think that these a couple of these firms will probably look at it and go, "Do we really need to be this committed to FX?" And I don't think it'll have an impact on most. You know, if you look at most client types, you know, around this sort of asset manager, corporates, and you know, and the and the regional banks, um, I don't think they'll miss them. So, so but, okay, this is kind of getting a little bit off topic here, but I'm going to go into it. Yeah. Just because you're on the record of saying, saying regulation, Unlike regulators us. looking at these firms uh, is, is the yeah. biggest threat. But, I mean, look, the, the reason why the banks are so heavily regulated is because they are systemically important and no, it, it's politically untenable, right, for, for politicians to have to bail out banks again. With the best yeah. one in the world, what – Let's say all the non-bank market makers disappear tomorrow, right? You know, mm. click of the fingers, you know, uh, they're gone. Um, I mean, yeah. yes, obviously the FX market would be significantly impacted, right? But yeah. they are not; they do not occupy that role as systemically important institutions. No, that's fine. Who, who, who would miss them? Well, lots of people. The platforms would miss them for starters. Yeah. Okay. With all due disrespect, to everyone, you know, is that important as well? No. Well, no. Not. And this is my point. If you look at the FX market as something that serves the end client, which is global trade, global investment, I don't think any client in that space will be negatively impacted if all these firms disappear tomorrow. Well, um, and that's why I don't think regulations may of... get a little wider on the on the on the platforms. Yes. Um, the banks will be put in a position of power, and that may not be a good thing in the long term because I think one of the real benefits of the HFT, which you know, morphed into the um, um, non-bank market-making industry, is they've made the banks – I don't want to use the word honest, but they've, they've sort of really caused the banks to raise their standards around customer service and pricing, especially in technology – so, yeah, I mean, they've done that, but, I mean, do, do people miss them? I mean, a couple of these firms quote in bigger sizes, absolutely. But there's still another 10 players out there all quote the same size. But, but, but that's my point, because they're not this systemically important. I don't think they're quite yeah. under the same threat of regulation that you say is, is no, like an existential threat. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I mean, I guess my regulation is more around the compliance docs and saying, like, you know, at the moment, um, it's, and it comes down to the minute these firms start talking about customers. The minute they talk about customers, then then they are providing a service to somebody 
And I think if you're a service provider in the world of finance, then your regulatory um, obligations are suddenly multiplied. multiplied. Because Maybe, if you're, yeah, if you're offering a service... I still think... Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, let's face it. Yeah, we're, I think we're regulators on, have a bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, getting, getting anyway. back to the matter at hand. Second question. Yes. Second question. Yes, which, which, we've done that. Which, which, yeah, which we, you actually kind of touched upon here, but this was, was kind of the big question for people. You know, does this create a, a, a domino effect where other banks start doing the same thing? Now, you're, you seem to intimate earlier that, that ultimately the, the economics would force them to do that, although the risk requirements would force them to do that. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I think? I think so, because, I mean, it's, it's a question of the required investment in technology ongoing technology, your risk monitoring, because, I mean, obviously these firms can, you know, they're, they're, they're big traders, they're high-volume traders. Um, I think, the, you know, you look at our digital FX awards. City won those awards. City's PB has won that PB award. I don't know how many times. It's a lot. They've been interspersed with others. Um, but they've won it because, you know, they've, every year they've gone out there and spent a heck of a lot of money on enhancing their technology around their risk frameworks and their monitoring frameworks. Um, <clears throat> that costs money. And I, I look at some of the other PBs who historically have been happy to um, offer a what you could call a traditional PB business, you know, looking at that hedge fund client, <clears throat> um, you know, the firm that's, that wants market access and wants credit facilities and, you know, and leverage, um, as opposed to someone who's just, just a volume play. Last week in the podcast, we spoke about, you know, is size important? When we're looking at you know the awards and, and profitability, I think the same question can be asked in PB. Um, yeah, okay, great. We're 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 sticking through billions and billions of dollars and, and millions of trades every day, but actually, are we making money out of it? And I think okay. that's the question well, you, they're going to they're have to ask. Okay, well, well now you're jumping the gun to my third question, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give. I want to give my response to, to the last one, which was, once again, I've been hearing uh, different to you, which is, no, and, and, and to be fair, we, we have to divide this, the, the question about the ripple effect up, which was, you know, for everyone I spoke to, and I, I definitely spoke to some kind of neutral third parties in this issue who don't have, who yeah. are kind of in this ecosystem, but don't necessarily have skin in the game. Um, and, and their kind of view was, look, the biggest, the biggest, HFT, non-bank market makers, whatever we're calling them, they'll be fine. They they all already had other PBs and mm. they can move over business, etc. It's it's the smaller yeah. ones that will struggle to find a new home. Um, yeah. But but focusing on on the bigger uh, HFTs, you know the, mm-hmm. the kind of the household names within the industry, um, the the conversations I'm having from them is very much that um, they've had plenty of other banks willing to offer them. I mean, I spoke to one person who was just like telling me that like as soon as kind of word got around, they had, you know, every bank that you could pretty much think of and some that they yeah. were actually sh- didn't realize even did FXPB um, <laughs> calling up to, to try. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's slightly <laughs> worrying though, isn't it? Like, oh, you do PB? Yeah, we do PB. What do you want? Oh, how many trades? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, how um, much credit do you need? How much have we got to put aside for this? <laughs> yeah. 
So, 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 so some people I said were like, I don't know if, if they'll get, have the same limits as they had at City. And that goes back to the point about will liquidity be impacted. But, um, yeah. but, but very much the, the message that I was getting from a lot of these firms, and obviously you could argue that they are going to say this to, to me when I speak to them. But, but the message has very much been that there are a lot of um, PBs out there willing to, to try and, and take this business. And some mm-hmm. of the more kind of neutral third party people suggested that in the long term, this actually might be good. Because, I mean, we've been talking about the the concentration of of people in, in this kind of the city FXPB business. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they think that this actually, this might be a kind of a natural kind of redistribution. You know, these things are kind of yep. cyclical sometimes. Um, so it suggests to me that this actually might be quite, in the longer term, be a kind of a more natural, healthy redistribution of business kind of throughout the uh, the PP ecosystem a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I wouldn't disagree with the, the premise that the smaller firms are going to suffer the most. Um, yeah. I think the question we've got to look at is, it, it, I think it's going to be a very fluid definition of smaller firm. Yeah. I think if you look at the top two or three, and I would put it in just those numbers, I think they make enough money and they have enough infrastructure to be able, and, and, and enough you know, like diversity of portfolio in many ways, to be able to withstand it. But there's some fairly big non-bank market makers out there um, that I think their, their margins are not that great, and they will, they will have a look at it. And, you know, it depends on their trading style as well, I, I guess. It's, but, yeah, I'm, I, I accept your point, and I, I do think there are PBs out there that can handle it. Um, I mean, you know, let's give ourselves a pound back here while, while, my while we're doing it. Yeah, I, I, I'd loathe as I am to do it. Of course I am, yeah. <laughs> um, the question, my, but then I think my point still stands, is that down the line, I think these firms are going to say, yes, yes, we'll do this. And I spoke to a senior manager at PB and they, yesterday, and they said, oh, sorry, the day before, actually, and they said, um, yeah, we can handle this business, but we can do it at a price. And it's a question of where that, of finding the balance in that price. Because it's not, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, charging them X amount for, um, you know, like, I don't know, 10,000 trades a day. It's a totally different thing when you've got to suddenly risk manage 40 to 50 to 60,000 trades a day. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, everything around that comes in. So if they suddenly, be, if they, you know, the, it's one of those interesting things where they're saying the more they're doing, in some ways, it actually creates more of a cost for us. There, there is no sort of, you know, um, sort of bulk discount here. Um so, I, yeah, I, I, I do accept your point, but I still think at some stage you'll come back to it and, and go, mm, I'm not really sure this is working for us, or, or this will work for us, but here's the price. Okay. It, I, you know, and then – oh. Yep. Well, I was going to the third question, but did you have more? Okay. So the third question, which I wanted to put to you, and so this is, this is being recorded on uh, Thursday evening New York time, so bear in mind that – I have some more calls to make tomorrow before this is uh, this goes out yep. on the Monday morning squawk box. Um, now, do you think that this decision was made by City uh, because of the profitability of these firms or because of the risk implications of these firms? That's a good question. Um, you've asked questions before. I can tell that. I, I think... I think it's buying for time. I like a that. Blend, it's a blend of both, but I think probably more the um, the you know like the 
the risk element of it. It's, <clears throat> it's the impact on, on their bottom line from, from managing the risk, I think. Um, so I think it's a bit of both, but yeah, I would say it's more around the risk because I think they're just looking at going, you know, and again, to go back to my earlier point, they're investing heavily every single year in technology to keep up with these firms as they grow. City had the widest product set of the PBs out there, you know, which meant they had to sort of risk manage across more and more of these um, uh, you know, more and more tenors, more and more products. I think they looked at it when just managing this risk is becoming is you can build a technology for it, but I think it's yeah you know, they they had this problem in uh, Hong Kong in was it November, um, I think it was. They've, you know, yeah. I think they're looking at going, we, managing the risk is a big problem yeah. here, and the only way we can manage it effectively would be such a hit to our line, bottom line that we wonder whether it's worth it. So I'm really disappointed that you gave that answer, Colin, because I thought for a moment that we were going to be three for three on disagreeing. But, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> so we can only apologize to the listeners. I've let, I've let everyone down. I've let myself down, let my family down, let my country down. I can't believe it. Yeah. I'm so disappointed. So so, well, well, now that you're an Aussie, I don't mind you letting your country down so much. Um, <laughs> both, I'm both. So, so, so the, yeah, the comments that I got kind of said uh, it was both, but kind of with a with a kind of tilt towards the risk issue. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think part of it, from what I'm hearing, and again, um, as people will see in the article on Monday, um, City gave us a, an official no comment with a generic statement about how committed yeah. they are to FXPB. Um, Absolutely. But, but what I'm hearing is um, that part of the sticking point for them was was pre-trade risk measures, which for some of these firms, they simply can't do because it adds latency and basically weren't mm-hmm. willing to keep PBing them without that. Um, what, speed bump? And <laughs> oh, we don't have time for that this week, Colin. Definitely. Um, and, and, but also, so there was, there was talking to a few people, there was suggestion to me that actually um, a mandate had come up from up high in the bank to reduce the risk in this business, even if it was at cost to revenue. Like, mm. that, is, that is a mandate that has been given down, and, and yep. that they have this kind of latitude to actually um, maybe lose a, a bit on the P&L if that reduces the, the risk. Now, the, the yeah. flip side that I've heard from people complaining about that is people saying that it seems weird to target people who are mostly spot FX when the blow-ups that have happened, and you referenced the one that happened last year, I think it was yeah. in December, um, and people yeah. were saying, you know, are, are these firms play, who are trading intraday spot, um, you know, and, and mostly, you know, they're offsetting positions here and there mostly, um, are they really that much of a risky prospect for, for mm. an FXPB? I I don't think they are in terms of market risk or or counterparty risk. I think they I think it's a technology risk. I think because yeah, they cause they trade you know they're probably trading heavily throughout the day, but then they'll have high bursts. And as more of these firms come into the market, as they have, yeah, the smaller players are, are also contributing. This then you've got the primer primes, which I think is no, another it, it, area. City may look at at some stage. Um, yeah, City was PBing a heck of a lot of people. So yeah, partly it will be. Let's reduce our risk profile in this in this PB business. But can um, you be can you be more specific when you say technology risk? What, what do you mean? Are we talking about runaway algos here? What are we talking about? 
Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's not necessarily runaway algos, although someone said to me this week when I was talking to him about this, um, you know, we've been speaking about a little else, you and I, obviously, to people, but um, they said to me, it's like, you know, the thing is the PB model, and they were quite scathing of the PB model. They actually think it's like not really sure the PB model's fit for purpose anymore, the way it exists. Um, but they were saying, you know, PB's had a few sort of incidents, but they haven't had that big fat finger runaway algo thing um and what would happen when we have that now i kind of disagree because i think the although it wasn't a runaway algo i think the smb was actually a pretty a pretty large event um that tested the pb world and the pb will come out of it i think yeah with a pass mark losses but with a pass mark um no i i think i'm yeah i'm looking in terms of like the fluctuation of you know market risk um, the sheer processing of trades in bursts and making sure that you know pre-trade risk and you know position risk is is up to date. Um, the processing power involved is out there, but it costs money. And I think that's the sort of technology which I'm talking about. Just literally the you know second by second, sorry millisecond by millisecond monitoring of a, of a bunch of these firms that are just doing so much business. Okay, and you, you, and you do you do question whether the, I mean because I think the the December incident was like some third generation exotic derivative in the Turkish lira, and you're going like, yeah. okay, fine. I mean, uh, most of us don't understand what the hell the, the 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 exotic derivative did anyway, but you do sometimes look at it and think, have they also? And I, and I have absolutely nothing to back this up. This is just me making you know just putting a, a, a theory out there. Um, did they also look at it in the wake of that event going like, did we miss, miss the risk involved in that trade because we're so busy monitoring the risk for their, all these high-volume accounts? You, know, you, you couldn't see the wood for the trees. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's just me speculating. Okay, so I've got one more question on this, which is annoying because I actually yep. thought of a really good segue from the last question to the next point I want to make. But anyway. <laughs> that's um, fine. Uh, but, okay, is... is um, Central clearing the the ultimate winner from this news, or does it have have significance there? Um, well, I think central clearing has now won NDS. Yeah. Um, I think NDS is what two bucks a million for clearing. Um, I think G10 NDS are like maybe even a dollar. So I think I think they've won the NDF piece. Um, I don't think they can win the the spot and forwards piece yet because there's actually not really a solution out there for clients. It's it's mainly aimed at major leaders at the moment. So I think the clearing industry probably needs to... They're, they're, I think there's a great opportunity there for the clearing industry, but um, I'm not sure it's in a position at this moment in time to take advantage of it beyond NDFs and options, which are, you know, relatively speaking, low volume. I've got a question. Okay. Yep. What PBs do we think will win out of this? I have an answer as well, uh, as you would obviously know. Okay. Like, the so, interesting thing is that, you know, someone said to me as well, that, that just to actually finish off on your last point before you answer that, I'll give you some thinking time, that they also think that Citi's lost a lot of domain knowledge over the year, over the last year from its FXPB business, and that has probably led to people looking at this from a, a, a totally different angle. And you know, the people that. coming in from a fixed income angle. So that's, that's, I think yeah, that could be part of it. That's that's almost my segue there. But um, but uh, yeah. So so the, so the names I've been hearing 
um, <clears throat> Nat West a lot. Um, you know, one person said to me this kind of thing is their their bread and butter. Um, yep. I've been hearing um, HSBC. I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I spoke to one person who was pretty surprised to get a call from State Street. Yep. After this, but 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 the the State Street one that was just one person, but they were kind of saying like even even them. Um, but the State Street has an I mean, FCM, doesn't it? So it's probably not. You know, I mean, it's it can be oh, done. I mean, and and, <clears throat> and Deutsche. So I'd say HSBC, NatWest, mm. and Deutsche were the the three that I probably I did hear about others, but those were probably the three most consistent yeah. that I heard about. What about you? Well, all I'm going to say is um, this year. <clears throat> you and I, when we were finalising the Digital FX Awards, um, who did we give best FX PB to? And a lot of people were surprised. We gave it to NatWest. Yes, that because was it. Yeah. Because they, they have the technology, they have the model in place to be flexible and be able to take stuff on. So to me, I look at them and go, if NatWest wants to do this, then I think they can actually take a, you know, they can take a big step forward if they want to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, HSBC, I think, has, has been mentioned a few times. Um, Deutsche is an interesting one for me because obviously there's people from City have gone to Deutsche. Yeah. Um, so they've got that, you know, a lot of that domain knowledge I was talking about <clears throat> actually went to Deutsche. Um, the only thing I would question with that is obviously the, bit, the broader bank, they're investing heavily in FX, but the broader bank is still struggling. They're talking about creating a bad bank, aren't they, you know, for, to try and get Deutsche you know, globally back on its feet. Um, I wonder whether they'll want to take on a sort of fee-based, high, risk, you know, high, high investment business um, at this moment in time. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll I know, see. but I got a lot of comments yeah, about I, I, they, I they pulled back for a bit, and now they're kind of back on the scene a lot more. Yes, and that's across FX. Without doubt, yeah. You know, again, we I think we no, we noted that in our awards in in April as well. So yeah, so yeah. So I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't of... think City's going away. Yeah. Um, okay. So now wait for the segue. So um, one of the one of the comments that I did get a lot from a lot of people was about we noted in our in our reporting last year after the blog that there was that that kind of reshuffle reorg right where. Yep. Um, cl- uh, FXPB got put with kind of OTC clearing, and I yep. got a lot of comments uh, or grumbling from people about, oh, they put the, the, you know, they put the exchange OTC clearing people in charge, and they don't really understand uh, FX, uh, like OTC FX kind of PB. Yeah. That that was some that was grumbling that I heard from a few people. Yep. Did you? Yes, absolutely. Which, and your segue which, is. It would glide like a like a swan through the water, Colin. I can see it coming over <laughs> the is, hill. Which is there was some other news from City this week, which was there was a reshuffle and a reorganisation at City. Ladies and gentlemen, that? that's you, why you, you listen that? for. Yeah, that is why the people listen for gold segue like that. Mate, I've been I've <laughs> yeah, been waiting did. like a tightly coiled <laughs> spring to unleash that this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I've, I've been talking to sort of people, you know, within City and actually recent, you know, departures and whatever, um, who aren't you know, not necessarily bitter. Uh, I need to stress, and the general consensus seems to be it's a real that was quite needed. It needed streamlining. One person said to me, "Look, the business needs streamlining," um, and and that's fine. I get that. And and these big businesses go through. Um, 
these sort of changes every now and again you get someone new come in and they go okay we've got to change things we've got to be seen to be doing something clearly there's a very radical rethink about the market's business at city and fx is getting it um people are talking to me about you know as part of this streamlining quote unquote you know anything north of three four hundred jobs going over the over the rest of the wow. year um because there are a lot of you know dual a lot of duplicated roles in there. It happens, as I say, it happens. My only problem is, and this is an old bugbear of mine. So um, I was reading through the, the story you published this week, you know, but on the memo um, that laid everything out, and you've got, you know, this guy's doing this, and he's reports to this person and this person. And the further down you go, it gets more and more complicated. I mean, first of all, it's co-heads, and co-heads always works. Oh, no, hang on a second. That's right. No, it doesn't always work. You know, co-heads. Put one in charge of one piece and one in charge of the other. What's the whole thing with co-heads? But the person I really feel for today is Brian McCappin. He's head of FX Local Markets Investor Sales. Uh, In this streamlining, he's reporting to four people. He's reporting to Itai Tushman, Jim O'Donnell, uh, where are we, Deirdre Dunn, and Pedro Goldbaum, I think it is. It's like, well, there's, how, do you, how do you report to four people? Well, there's, <laughs> Some there's other also, poor fella. He's reporting to yeah. like four people and a local head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a bunch of people who have, who have three people, two or three people and a local head. Uh, uh, Jose Luis Yepes, who's head of APAC Rates and Currencies, he now reports into Tuchman, Dunn, Goldbaum, and... Stuart Staley had a, so he's got four. Like everybody seems yeah. to have at least at least three reporting lines, which doesn't sound like streamlining at all to me. No, it doesn't, does it? And I'm thinking, it sounds to me like absolute chaos. Who am I meant to report to on this one, or do I copy everyone in? It's, I mean, it's an it's it's and, an, and an email course, nightmare. All, the all amount the, of all the, th- the three people that they're reporting to all report to at least two people because there's co-heads, yeah. as you said. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm sure. I'm sure if you drew it out, it would look like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Well, the expression too many chiefs does kind of spring to mind, I have to say. It's, um, you, you look at it and think, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's going to have to change at some stage, probably. Then again, it may not. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, we shall see how that one goes. But I mean, I think, yeah, the, the say reorganizations happen, but um, yeah, <laughs> where does that come from? I mean, people say that, you know, if they listen to their, all of their clients' demands, there'd be an absolute, you know, head case within a month. Well, these poor people have got to listen to four bosses now and their demands. So hopefully they'll get it, to, hopefully they'll get it together. Um, <clears throat> we're going on, but we're going to have to make this a bit of a bumper issue because I do uh, want to talk to you about um, uh, the other thing. You've, you've, and it's already been a tough morning for me you know, agreeing with you on these things, but I do now right. have to do something even harder. I do have to praise you, and you know I don't want to do this. <laughs> but you've written two you've you've written two really good pieces this week on Libra, Facebook's cryptocurrency. Yes. Not only that, but heroically, and I use the word advisedly, heroically, you you've apparently read eleven white papers that they issued around it. Eleven, <laughs> eleven. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> uh, well, okay. all I can so, say is it's a great opportunity to talk. Just type in Scottish elevator. <laughs> into YouTube when you get back. It's one of the funniest sketches you'll see. Um, but yeah, 11 white papers. What's the upshot of it? So I wanna, there's, we, we, we need to touch upon this. Okay. So I'm going to try and be as concise as I can because I, I don't want to 
drag this thing on too long. But yes, 11 white papers, I did read them all. I'll be honest, some of them made more sense than others because, you know, some of them get very, very technical and, and people smarter than, yeah. and, and geekier than I will bring more um, insight to those. But um, firstly, they were all pretty hilarious because they use a lot of, like, Facebook tech language. It's all about empowering people and bringing access and creating new networks and all of that good stuff, right? Mm. You know, like, this isn't, this isn't a, a profitable, cynical company. We're just, you know, we're doing this to help people. And, you know, if some money falls into our pockets at the end of it, you know, that's all to the good, too, kind of thing, um, which was, which yeah, and was it's quite good, And it's good that it's a trusted company that's never done anything wrong. Well, oh, hang on, no, that's yeah. wrong as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 to my mind, just just a few points. So, one, I think um, Facebook's clearly determined to use its late mover advantage. So, the amount of times in these white papers you'll see, you know, having studied previous examples of this, or we've noticed problems with previous programming languages, which is why we developed that. That there's there's numerous examples of that. So, they've clearly put a lot of people to the task of analyzing what's gone before and tried to yep. kind of learn from the issues that other cryptocurrencies and blockchains have, have had. Now, I've seen um, a lot of uh, posts on, on social media, Medium, from people complaining about like, oh, it's not a real blockchain um, and <laughs> stuff like that, which entirely misses the point, right? The point here, like call it a blockchain, call it whatever you want, the the scale they can bring to this is just incredible, right? So in, in yeah. the U.S., we have, um, we have a, a payment app uh, called Venmo. Um, and there's, I know there's similar things in, in different countries. And it lets me transfer in like two taps and, and 10 seconds money from, from person to person. Uh, it doesn't go across border, but it, it's super easy to use. It's ubiquitous in New York now. Um, I, it doesn't use a blockchain. I don't care if they just create a Venmo for cross-border. That would be awesome if they could create that, whether it's on like blockchain mm. or not, right? Um, and so the, the scale that Facebook has, just the, the, num the number of lobbyists, developers, programmers, marketing people they have available to them to develop, design, and push this thing is incredible. The money they have. Look at the, the Ethereum Foundation is you know, a loose collection of developers and enthusiasts. Um, who want yeah. to help the community, and they have, you know, you know, they put up a post saying, you know, we have eight million next year earmarked for this, and it's probably eight million in cryptocurrency. So how, so who knows how much it's worth now, right? The, mm. the, the money that that Facebook could put. This, I mean, I point out, fifty-three people wrote one of the white papers, and that is not necessarily that is not necessarily a good sign, right? But it just shows like they, they can afford to hire the best talent and then unleash the, yeah. them on this thing, right? Were they all um, co heads? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Um and, and the other thing is because they're so big, right, when other people in the crypto space talk about the, the custodian like bank quote unquote banks they're working with, they rattle off all these banks that I haven't really heard of that much, or I vaguely heard of. Mm. The the big players will be falling over themselves. The big traditional players will be falling over themselves to service Facebook in this endeavor. I'm sure of it, right? Yeah. And then and then we come back onto the the, the fact that their distribution channel is immense. Like two points. So they're gonna you can you can download separate apps on Android and uh, through Apple. For uh, Calibri is going to be the, their wallet, but you can download it in different places. But just the fact that Facebook has 2.4 billion users. WhatsApp has, I think, 1.4 billion, right? And this is and it's going to be yeah. available via Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. Like, even if just a fraction of those people 
start using this thing, which they, they've already got the app downloaded, so it's going to just appear there. Yep. Um, if a fraction of them start using this, it's already going to be the largest cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. So the, I think there's the scale of, like, whatever your issues with the, the, the product, the, the thing, the, the scale that they can operate in is nothing we have yep. seen in the crypto market before. So that's, that's the big game change for me is just the scale. Now, yeah. problems and questions, I'm, and I'm – sorry, Karen. Cool. Mm. I'm not going to ask you. Uh, I was going to say, the, the problems and questions that I highlight, um, and this is, again, in the article, so you can go and read these in more depth. They talk about – so this is going to be a permission uh, permissioned blockchain to start with, with a plan to move to a permissionless blockchain. Now, they say that ultimately for it to be the you know open, free, enhancing, empowering network that they want it to be, it has to be permissionless. But right now, they can't scale it properly as a permissionless ledger. So they're going to start as permissioned and transition to permissionless within five years. But given that they admit they don't know how to do a scaled permissionless ledger, it's not obvious. They're basically kicking the can down the road and just hoping that yeah. sometime in the next five years, a solution will develop or they'll develop a solution that's going to let them do that. But it's not obvious that this can be done. Um, the whole thing is backed by a reserve fund, which gives intrinsic value. So it dampens down the volatility. So it's actually it's a stable coin. So it's it's actually can be used as a store of value and therefore a mechanism of payment. And that's one been one of the big issues with Bitcoin, right? It's the the yeah, price is all absolutely. over the price. So so I can't use it for for buying stuff. But they were a little light on details on what this reserve fund will look like, and that's a pretty key point. Right. Until I know mm. what this thing looks like, it's hard to pass judgment on how stable it's going to be. And if you don't know how stable it's going to be, then you don't know how much good a, a good payment mechanism it's going to be, a store of value. Um, there's also this Libra Association, right, which is basically it, – it, first of all, it, it dictates a lot of the direction of this thing. Um, it's not that decentralized in that in that sense. They have a lot of authority. And yes, there's going to be 100 or so people they said at launch. They're targeting 100 people in this association. Um, considering how many people they're targeting to touch with this thing, that's a pretty small number, relatively speaking. And they're going to have a lot yeah. of authority, so it's actually quite centralized. This is also going to be a, a de facto uh, central bank because they talk about how the reserve fund is the buyer of last resort of Libra, the cryptocurrency. They talk about how this, this group is going to be uh, the people who decide what is in and out of the reserve fund. And so I'm not sure how much governments, or even just people for that matter, are going to be that enthused about a central bank that currently comprises Lyft and Uber and Spotify and yeah. Facebook, right? Um, and then we come back onto the, the point that you mentioned before. They, they, you know, they kind of talk about uh, a lot about how you know their blockchain is going to have you know the, the the latest and greatest in data privacy and security. Um, Post Cambridge Analytica, those are not <laughs> things that Facebook is synonymous with, right? Uh, Although having said that, someone did say to me when that thing broke. I mean, because I know what I would say is that yeah, we've had Cambridge Analytica and everything. And I haven't seen Facebook's um, numbers really decline that much. Um, I think most people just carried on as normal, apart from one of my friends who I have to say is a little bit challenged when it comes to, frankly, anything in the 21st century, um, who he said to me, he said, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been Facebook. I'm going on Instagram instead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Didn't want to tell him, but there you go. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, your point on the de facto CBs interesting as well, because I think the politicians are going to play a role in this as well. Yeah. This must and inevitably I, mean losing control. And at a time, at a time where big tech, certainly in America, where Facebook is domiciled, is yep. coming under more pressure and more scrutiny than ever. Yeah, I think that's a global. I think, well, I think that's the uh, the major the major Western democracies democracies yeah. is coming under more pressure. I would say it's, and and I guess that's maybe they're in. They look at it and go, well, we can actually bring a billion people from other parts of the world in to use yeah, it. They don't even need to start there. So 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 that's the thing. They they make a big thing about you know banking the unbanked and highlighting the the number yeah. of people who have access to to mobile phones and to internet, but are not in the global financial system. Um, yeah. So they're, they're, they're making a big play for that. And to be fair, cross-border payments is so ripe for someone to come in and disrupt it. I can't tell you how many yeah. conversations I've had with frustrated, whether it's particularly you know, corporates, treasurers, people like that, who, who yeah. don't uh, understand why it takes so long and why it's so expensive. In a lot of cases. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think we might have done it in the podcast. Last year, Cybos was down in Sydney. And I think I said, because I know I went on Cybos TV. I was interviewed on Cybos TV. TV started a riches thing. Thanks very much. Of course. Um, but I, I actually turned around and said, what the interesting thing for me was the ground floor was all the incumbents, mainly banks, in the payments business with huge, you know, 110 square meter stands and three floors above. There were 100 firms all squeezed into three by three stands who are going to take that business away from them. And they were, and that was yeah. the tech world. Um, so, yeah, no, you're 100% right on the payments thing. I think that's the big, the really big thing. So I have one question on this. And you need to, you need to, you need to get the right perspective on this, Galen, okay? Because we're talking about the person that said on this very podcast, when cable was at 132 and you asked me what would I do, I said, sell cable because it's going to go down because this is an excellent way to happen. It's been to 125 this week. I thank you very much. All checks in the post. This is the person that told everyone at the start of the year to buy Noki Mex, and that trade is not so much roaring away, but it's still in profit. Yeah. But here's the third call of the year. If Libra, and why would you name it after a star sign? I really don't get that. You know, um, Just Google Russell Grant, anyone, any non-English people out there, that will tell you all about star signs. Um, if Libra is going to come out there and dominate, which I think you and I agree, but it will, why is Bitcoin at $9,500? What value is there in Bitcoin? So, Colin, asking, asking the, the value of Bitcoin relative to anything is a very philosophical question. There's lots of ins and lots of outs. There's shades of grey. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I'm just a straight I, face. I will, I will listen to his are, answer. Are you, <laughs> are you really asking me to explain the price of Bitcoin? Like, no, no. I mean, I, I, what I'm saying is, is I look at it and go, so Bitcoin is at $9,500 this morning in Australia when I looked at it. Um, and that's good. But a lot of the reason it's been going up is because everyone's been saying, it's the future, it's the future. Ever soon, everyone will be using Bitcoin, and, 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 and that's where the value is going to come. That's why the market goes up. And I'm suddenly looking at something that's going to come along and blow it into the in, in, into the thin air, and it's still at nine and a half thousand dollars. I would have thought it's, I would have thought that's a sell for Bitcoin. I, you know, 
So I don't, I don't know, and I'm obviously just speculating here. I think part of that could be a consequence of. Um, so we've seen them come untethered from each other a little bit now, but I mean, there was for the yep. most of of the past few years when we've seen the big run up, the the crypto, the major, let's say, like top five, top ten yeah. cryptocurrencies tended to move in unison, right? Like a rising yeah. tide lifted and. and some yes. call basically. Um, so I think there's an element of that. I also think there's an element of if if Facebook or like a major mainstream firm like that launches a cryptocurrency and it becomes accepted, then cryptocurrencies are in the mainstream. It's not this fringe thing anymore. Yeah, like it, it confers legitimacy on other because Facebook were very explicit about this is a cryptocurrency. It's not a digital asset. Yeah. It's not a, a, a you know a crypto-backed, decentralized token. and It's a cryptocurrency. And therefore, if this gets accepted, if this becomes a thing, then cryptocurrency as a broad term is, is – if this gets accepted by regulators, then it's hard for them not to accept other cryptocurrencies. That's where mm. I think some of the that, yeah. that strength maybe comes in. Fair enough. I just look at it and think, why would anyone want to use it? <laughs> and if people well, don't, if people don't want to use it, then what's the, yeah? Is it worth nine and a half thousand dollars? Who knows? We shall see. Um, we need to end this bumper issue of in the thick of it. We just wanted to say um, very briefly, congratulations to all the winners in our Readers' Choice Awards. They were published yesterday. You can find them on the website. Um, and actually, I guess it's appropriate we're ending with crypto going because this year for the first time we had. Um, three crypto categories, and um, I was pleasantly surprised by the number of people that voted in them. It was um, There was a lot of interest in that, which is great. So you can find the winners on the website. Thanks to everyone that voted as well. Um, I think that'll be it from us, unless you've got any last points of wisdom. No, no I think we've, uh, we've probably uh, gone on long enough. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and so say all the listeners. Um, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, have a great week.